1: Hi, I'm Bowen Yang, and welcome to Search Party, the podcast, brought to you by iHeartRadio and HBO Max. Think of this as an audio companion to the dark comedy series that you can't help but binge watch. The theme of today's podcast is fear and rage. We've got a twofer, that's right. But don't worry, we're all in this together. To discuss this with me, I have two wonderful guests: Starly Kine, a writer on the show who you might also know from her podcasts *Mystery Show* and *Election Profit Makers*, as well as my *Saturday Night Live* castmate and classmate, Chloe Fineman, who also plays the conservative talk show host Charlie Reaney, on *Search Party*. Let's hope this doesn't end with one of us screaming into their pillow. Ah, let's go. Hi, hello.
0: Hi, hello. Hi.
1: The theme of today's episode is fear and rage. So I just want to kick things off by going around. I'm going to ask everyone, including myself, what was the last thing you were afraid of or angry of? I think I was. Anytime lately that I've been like putting the lock, like you know, that little bar lock, like against like on your door. You turn mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime I've been doing that, like I see the image flash before me of like someone breaking in at like 4 a.m. to try to kill me. I don't know if I'm afraid of that, but it's just like, it's, I picture it anytime I do the the thing.
2: Is that a new, is that a pandemic fear or you've always felt that way when you slid that lock?
1: I think I've always felt that way, but since the pandemic, the image becomes has become more pronounced. Does that make sense? I don't know why. Yeah.
2: Do you see the person? Do they like, can you get a picture of them or just... Faceless killer.
1: Faceless. It's the faceless, featureless. I I think they're wearing like a leather jacket, maybe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's mine. Uh, Starly, we'll start with you if you have something in mind.
2: What have I been afraid of? I mean, I'm in such it's it's all so scary. Yeah. That it's become. I actually have felt pretty uh, very calm lately because the fear is so much greater than any particular thing
1: it's a big tent of fear
2: yeah that's kind of like it's a tent of fear that is it's kind of like the temple grandin machine that when they send the animals <laughs> it's, the the hug the slaughter, <laughs> it's a hug machine so the fear is hugging me and making me calm it's hugging me calm
1: interesting very good
2: and i tend to not have fear i tend to not be afraid of what people are afraid of
1: like I tend not oh, to be like afraid what? of, like I tend of, not of to be of people breaking af- in.
2: Yeah, I t- that that kind of stuff, like with the locks and all that. I am very, I'm very casual because like, my fear is always just so much. Like I'm gonna end up alone forever, stuff like that. That is, <sighs> that trumps the practical fears. Yeah. And now there's the big. Sure. And now, like we said, the big mm-hmm. practical fear has trumped any minor sure, sure, practical sure. fears.
1: It's it's long term personal fears, which are sometimes the most terrifying of all.
2: Yeah, human based fears.
1: <laughs> human based fears, absolutely. Yeah, okay, no. Chloe, what about you?
0: Um, Mine is superficial, but it's the first thing that came to mind. Uh, DMing celebrities.
1: (laughs) Which, okay, that that you are doing the outreach or that they are starting with you? Uh,
0: Either one. Like, (laughs) tagging someone. Like, it's all caps. Like, the language Uh I use is terrible. I even, like, I remember John early did his 73 questions, and I I think I wrote, like, take me to heaven or, like, (laughs) something so stupid. And he was just like, what? And then I realized... I sound insane. And it's a lot of like, ah, wow, like gagged. And then like, yeah, like I got Drew Barrymore tagged something. Congratulations. And I didn't know. Mm-hmm. That was a big, and I get panicked and I don't know mm-hmm. what to say. And of I course. Insane. Yeah. yeah,
2: I think it's a particular gift to be able to know what to do with the celebrity DMs. Because yeah. some so people are really, good at talking. But I'm not good with the celebrity DMs. I totally... I totally Ugh. panic and want it to I'm so excited that it's happening that I can't that I need to kill it. I need there it to There is yeah.
1: no there's no model for it. Like no there's mm-hmm. no right no. way to do it because this is this is a very new thing in terms of the access that we all have now, or that other people yes. have that whatever, yes. you know, like across the board. It's like yes. of course it's a it's a scary thing or of mm-hmm. course it's like it will it will elicit these responses of like ah! you know like
0: (laughs) yeah drew Barrymore. i was like and it's i was like i i use flower beauty (laughs) like she and then she like never responded there's no way to
2: respond to like (laughs) love your lip gloss Um, (laughs) wow (laughs) it's because they hold all the power and so and it's always a hard position to navigate a lopsided power dynamic dynamic.
1: yeah yeah yeah.
2: and the world we live in where like anything you say
0: on the internet can just destroy you forever Mm. and how, how about you do that by DMing your hero?
1: Sure. Uh, I want to ask a show-related question. So we're bundling fear and rage thematically in this episode, but I feel like on Search Party, they are often paired with each other anyway. And so it feels like a very natural place for them to share that space. Why, for both of you, do, do they stem from the same place probably on the show?
2: I think Search Party's characters operate... At a very high pitch at all yeah. times. And yes. that's the unifying tone. There's like an energy to that. And fear and rage are at that pitch.
1: Yes. Like,
2: you're never just moving neutrally to the world if you're a search party character.
1: Mm. No. So that's the frequency that they're at mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the whole time. At a minimum. At a minimum. So then, yeah. like, what's... Then what's, like, the ceiling above... Like, like I'm, I'm having trouble, like...
2: Well, sometimes it tips over to murder.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> you know,
2: sure. like, They're yeah. almost murdering someone at all times.
1: And it's not even exclusive to them. It's like, you have Coles Cole Coles' character mm-hmm. wanting to, you know, kidnap or whatever. Okay, this is very yeah. interesting.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like the rawness of the human psyche is every character. Oh, the reason all the characters are like that is because... It's like they've all walked into the world exposed, mm-hmm. and yes. so we're seeing we're seeing the psyche behind the outward appearance that the search sure. party has like peeled back. Yeah, I I feel like for I went to college with someone who
0: reminded me a lot of Charlie, and she was from mm. the south. And I remember we were like taking the escalator up to Barnes and Nobles on Fourteenth Street, and she was like, "My yes. family doesn't lose; like we only win," and it was such a weird. Way of like doing stuff. And then I think for Charlie, it's like her rage comes from like she cannot lose. And like anything that like triggers Mm -hmm. losing just like sets her off. Cause this girl did that. She was, she would just explode.
1: My jaw's on the floor. (laughs) My family, my My family family doesn't doesn't lose. lose.
0: (laughs) She would eat, she would, she would brag about times that she only ate. Uh, cheese. When she was on Atkins, she was like, "Oh yeah, we'd go to the country club and they would just serve me hot cheese,
2: <laughs> hot cheese. Just a
0: plate of hot, hot like bulls? No, just like a slice of like American <laughs> cheddar, but it would be like a little melted on a plate, and like that was that was like a real pleasure for her doing that Atkins
2: diet.
1: Get stuck on like your the finger. The plate
2: served as a slice of yeah. bread. Yeah, the plate is the bread. Yeah, in, in place of you couldn't have the carbs, so you got to, you had to have a plate. Uh huh. She was part of a group
0: that cheated together in high school. Which, like, I would... If I did that, and I'm sure I've cheated here and there, I didn't, like, brag about it.
1: No. Or, like, form, like, some sort of, like, herd mentality around it, Yeah, an alliance.
0: An alliance, they would each go in at different times and, like, change their grades. It was wild.
1: Sure. Oh, my God. Interesting. I mean, like, it's, like, all these illicit activities that, like bind these people together, which I feel like is basically what the show is. Mm -hmm. I mean, the big question around fear and rage, I think the locus of fear and rage sort of meaning at the same point and intersecting at the same moment is with Keith's murder. Do we think that Dory was afraid of Keith in that he might have been able to hurt her? And was her reaction justified? Which is basically to ask, did she react out of fear or rage or both? And is that okay?
2: (laughs) And did she... Would she had would she then have manipulated Drew to kill him? Right. Because he did the blow. Mm-hmm.
1: He did the blow. Uh, yeah. But like the, Dory was in the was in a, was in some state of danger or duress yeah. or whatever. Right.
2: Right. But if she like if there was some part of Dory that felt like she had to cover up her tracks for what she had done by taking care of Keith. Cause like Dory also lives in such a state of self-denial.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: That you could see Dory operating like a part of Dory operating where she knew Keith had to die, but never yeah. admitting it to herself or anyone else.
1: But she was like fearing for her life, though. I mean, that's kind of like where it all right. came from. Yeah, yeah. well, that's
2: what I mean, I think she feared for her life, and then he came for her. But I could see Dory also kind of being like, "I need to take care of this and keep the story yeah. going." We talked a lot about in the room about how Dory really feels committed to the story. Because Dory starts out as someone who doesn't have a purpose. And then once she starts looking for Chantal, she finds a sense of purpose. Mm
1: -hmm. And then once you
2: find her, though, that purpose ends. You have to do whatever it takes to keep the purpose alive. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dory increasingly makes decisions based on that. Especially in season three, where she makes this very active decision to make things harder for herself.
1: Sure. So in that moment, you think she could have manufactured some sense of danger or endangerment.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think he was I think he was very scary in that first season. I mean, I think he definitely seemed like scary, but I could see, I feel like you could I'm not saying that's the intention of that scene, but I could see knowing everything that we know about Dory now, where she because Drew's the one who actually does it, Drew is the one who yes. actually kills Keith. Right. I could see Dory being committed to the drama of it, even in that moment.
1: Right. Because she does keep track of that sequence of events, especially in season three when yeah. Drew's like, do you remember this weapon? And she's like, I never touched it. That was you. Like, I'm yeah. innocent. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. it's, it, it is a, it is an actual just manipulation. Like what you said, it's just yeah. pure.
2: I mean, she, it's, actually, it's definitely her fault. She's the one who got them all into this. Like from the very beginning, everything Dory has done has led to everyone mm-hmm. getting involved and then Keith dying. And she knows that.
1: Right. Even right. when, you know,
2: it, 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 in her best interest to make Keith the bad guy.
1: Yes. Um, Well, then on that note, is Drew... Was Drew justified in attacking Keith?
2: Yeah, I think Drew just was trying to protect Dory. Yeah. Which is always Drew's downfall, that he wants to protect Dory.
1: Oh, wow. Mm. And that there's a fear that Dory is kind of thrown into this compromising position at all times. she, Which which she is. Um, Well now I just can't stop thinking about this thing where all the characters in the world of Search Party are at this high pitch. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's so true.
2: It's funny, like, in the room, I feel like before we've come up with the scene, the feeling is always a scream. Mm. Mm-hmm, like, they're, mm-hmm. like, they'll cite scenes where people are screaming at each other or yes. even, like, make the sound of, like, Ha! Ah! And uh-huh. that's even before a scene is conceptualized or conceived of. Wow!
1: Sure, sure. You
2: can feel, you can tangibly feel the pitch while constructing the show.
1: Wow! Wow. Uh, yeah. Speaking of speaking of pitch and volume, um, yeah. I feel like Charlie Reaney, this character that Chloe plays, is this fun displacement of that pitch and that volume into mm-hmm. this like. Really, really bizarre, distorted, <laughs> dissociative world, which is like conservative television, uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. news television. First of all, Chloe, talk to us, describe the character of Charlie Reed to everybody.
0: Um, loosely based on somebody whose name rhymes with Hommy l- l- Warren.
1: <laughs> Glommy Barron? Yeah. Glommy okay. Barron, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um, who was really popping off at the time. And I was so obsessed with Gami Garen, <laughs> I still am, to be honest. Uh, she's still uh, yeah,
1: obsession worthy, maybe. Yeah.
0: Yeah, she is. She recently, because all I do is watch my phone, had this incredible IG video for no reason. No one asked for it, where she's talking about how th- that we need to end the pussification of men. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think I know what she <laughs> yeah, means. She's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, she's like, she's I, like, I am a 10. All my all my girlfriends are tens. We are tens, and there are pussy <laughs> pussy men who guess what. I'm an, And then she lists out, a, like, a rule of five rules for men to... Li- I'm like, uh-huh. what man is going to watch this? <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. And I met her once. That was, like, part of it.
1: You did.
0: I did. I did. She, Gami, appeared in Silver Lake in front of Intelligentsia to interview hipsters. Or she was, like, <laughs> trying to catch liberals. Uh-huh. So she and her, like, team of two other film guys, she was just standing on the corner of Sunset. like Sunset, yeah. Yeah, and I was taking a jog and then there she was and they were like, do you want to talk to Gami? And I said, hell yeah. And I, again, (laughs) it was like my fear of celebrities. I jumbled.
2: I can't believe you just saw her in the wild. I would have thought, I I can't believe you were jogging by. You were the hipster that she was seeking. Yeah, I was. And she, she was also like, it was just like a doll, so
0: much makeup, hair extensions, make like the lashes. Uh She was trying to like, show that she was cool and she she also like not that she was pro-abortion, but like we talked about that. and then I was and then I awkwardly was like, what do you think about butt stuff? And then you asked her I did. I asked Tommy her thoughts on butt stuff.
1: <laughs> and then what did she, what did she
0: say? She kind of like froze and like really, because she's a professional, just kind of swiveled it in a different direction.
1: well, what was it like playing this? Analogous version of this of this person and who I mean God it's so funny all my friends are tens and my family doesn't lose is basically the yeah, same expression exactly. right It's like the people that I am with are like <laughs> me and we are we are exceptional we are superlative It's like whoa yeah, yeah we are yeah
2: superlative right. It's exactly it Yeah we are right. right
1: But there's a rage in that expression mm-hmm. where you're like mm-hmm. this is what is my that this is my deal and, and,
2: and there's fear to it because fear that you're not and a and ten, fear fear that yeah. you're not going to win totally
1: I mean. What is that like to write and to play for both of you? Like, it it has to be at least somewhat exhausting if you have to, like, channel that in some way and then, like, transmute it into a performance or, like, the precise choice of words in a script. Like, was that, was that exhausting for for either of you?
2: It doesn't say... I, I find writing for Search Party very energizing because okay, I think yeah, of the yeah. mania that is involved sure. in the world of it. There's just a lot of energy that fills the room and the process. Sure, um, like the perfect choice of words is the is more the voice pass that happens to the show to sure. get it that search party tone. But I do think mm-hmm. because again because of that pitch that search party operates from, it has this life force that is the is actually the opposite of exhausting. It just is its own living feeling. Yeah, yeah. I. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that makes it easier to act like Mm
0: -hmm. uh, and enjoyable. Like what I like about Charlie that I don't have in myself is just like, this is my opinion and I'm sticking to it. And like, I go through the world. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so hard for me to form an actual opinion because I'm constantly being like, Mm -hmm. oh, that was wrong. And oh, I don't know. And I don't especially now, like, yeah, but for somebody just to be like, this is my decision, this is where I'm at, and it's yeah, it is energizing to just
2: be a confident person yeah. even if they're wrong. I think Search Party does a really good job with when it when it, when Search Party is casting, even though the tone of Search Party is so consistent and you can tell the Search Party tone, it's not like everybody talks like each other. No. Like Charlie with created for Chloe. So it's not Chloe having to conform to a character. It's just like, it's a collaboration. And that happens a lot on the show where there's someone in mind and then the character is birthed from who the actual person is and how that person will take on that character.
1: Well, that just speaks to how lush and detailed, I don't know if those are the right words, but it just, it's, every detail is filled with the pitch or, you know, it's, mm-hmm, like, it's mm-hmm. like, it's like, it's like Charlie, you're talking about tone so much, which just kind of strengthens the whole like ethos of the show. Yeah. Um, which I think you can really, you can really see. Um, let's play this clip of Charlie and Elliot arguing. It sort of uh, builds up to this... Volley of insults, and then it almost feels sort of—dare I say—and we we might cut this out. It feels sort of orgasmic. It feels like (laughs) it's this like consummation of this tension. Totally, Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. I think they both do.
0: You thin-lipped, baby-killing, underfunded pride parade.
1: You book-burning gas chamber with penis envy. Commie fascist faggot (gasps) whore.
0: Well, that's all the time we have today on Open Fire with Charlie Rainey. I'm Charlie Rainey reminding you that the Second Amendment is never going away. We're out. That was incredible.
1: That's the most fun I've ever had in my life.
0: You're a genius.
1: No, no, no. You are a genius. Perfect. (laughs) Wow, wow, wow. How many takes was that? Do you remember? I mean, or setups uh, or whatever.
0: Definitely, like more than four.
1: And that can like wear on you.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I, I really felt like we were doing scene study, and it was like Meissner <laughs> <laughs> technique. And then just we both were like at NYU the same time, and so we had like a few people that we knew and found cringy. Like so, we just talked about Tish and like laughed, and then would go into that.
1: <laughs> Perfect. And even that scene, I think there is a layer of performance too. I mean, I mean, it is a performance, and they like, yeah, they like drop the pretense, and then they're like, wow, that was incredible. I mean, how much of Charlie's politics is performed? How much of it is this like is purely external?
0: I think a lot of it is. I think, uh, yeah, I, I yeah. and I think in the same way as Gami Garen like <laughs> I think that they're actually probably pretty liberal. But it's like, oh, I get attention if I think this way and I get, like, views and followers if I am, like, outlandish. And so they kind of, like, lean into right. that for attention. I feel like a lot of it's attention-seeking, personally.
1: Sure. But, like, even beyond attention, because attention is something that you get. The transaction of getting attention is, I do something, I get attention. But with, with what Charlie does is she adds this sort of layer of rage on it. And the transaction there is, I get angry so that you can get angry too when you yeah. watch me. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a different currency. And I think Charlie is very aware of tapping into that. Yeah, yeah. That I think sense. she
2: gets off yeah. on it.
1: She, she, she does. She, she climaxes. She
2: climaxes. <laughs> she's found what she's good at. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. She's kind of like, I mean, she's like, she's in a more enviable position than Dory, mm-hmm, who doesn't mm-hmm. know that her path and I think it's why, like, Elliot is so excited when he meets Charlie, because he is also good at it, and right. they're so compatible, and it is a relief in giving into what you excel at.
1: After this quick break, we'll continue discussing the themes of fear and rage in the context of Search Party with our guests, Starly Kine and Chloe Feynman. Keep listening. Talk about this concept of, like, excelling at rage. Mm -hmm. There's an aptitude or there's a proficiency around being angry. And, like, Charlie has learned that, whereas Dory has not, and and it's led her into these really dark, terrible things.
2: Yeah. And Charlie gets it all out by the performance. Like, Mm -hmm. she gets to scream, and then at the second it's over, she's, you know, after the orgasm happens, she gets to come down and live her life. Dory is... now has a death count of two on her hands. And so, and she's not going around screaming like that. So, like, it's actually, like, in Charlie's case, the performance is freeing her and probably making her, well, you could have a debate about which one's the bigger threat to society, Charlie or Dory. Dory Mm -hmm. is hmm, killing specific people, but if Charlie's, like, the equivalent of Fox News, that's got a higher that takes a higher toll on the toxicity that you release into society.
1: Sure. Mm-hmm.
2: But they like they both definitely have rage in them and are re- and are releasing it in de- very opposite ways. Sure. But, but Dory's also doing a performance. Like, everything about Dory is a performance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because she mm-hmm. doesn't know who she is. Her identity has not been locked. Yeah.
1: Right.
0: But I do also feel like that's such a good thing about, or that I find so interesting about Fox News and, like, it's red and, like, they're all angry because, like, we're in such a, I don't know, like, their audience is, like, fearful mm-hmm. and panicked, and they kind of feel soothed by, like,
2: s- an angry person. hmm yeah. Somehow, like, yeah, someone's like, they're but, wrong. And you're like, oh, well, right. It's such a relief. It's such a relief to be able to pinpoint, to decide someone's wrong. To just sure. eliminate that option of someone that you feel threatened that you're not.
1: Well, it's this idea of, like, emotional punditry. It's like, mm-hmm. I want to make you feel something, and that's why you're loyal to this point of view that we're broadcasting every Every hour of every day, but
2: it's a choice to make it the the what you're feeling. I want to make you feel rage, because you could also make them feel. You could also be Mister Rogers and make them feel empathy. But it's 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 trickier. Yeah,
1: and the rage is coupled with fear in that way, where it's like I want to stoke fear in order to get you angry. Yeah, Um, and Starly, with what you're saying, it's um the the comparison between Dory and Charlie is very interesting. They both have this exhaust valve in terms of letting this fear out or letting all this sort of this clenched psyche, that pitch out. They Mm -hmm. they have this one valve for that to escape. Charlie has control over that valve. She can Mm -hmm. loosen it or or tighten it at her own control. Mm -hmm. Dory doesn't and then it leads to her murdering people.
2: And dragging her friends into things and just, like, kind yeah. of leaving this trail of destruction in her wake because, you're yeah. right, she has no control of it at all because she's because she's lying to herself.
1: Right. Totally. Like, totally. I, I, I don't
2: feel like Charlie is at the point where she's lying to herself.
1: Yeah. She seems pretty
2: yes. honest about what she's doing, about her duplicity. Yeah.
1: Totally, totally.
2: But I also think she's one
0: of those people who, like, they don't question a ton of stuff. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, it's like she's, like, reading a bunch of liberal point of views. I feel like she's mm-hmm. decidedly has, like, a narrow kind of tunnel vision that, like, is easy. It's, like, easier to operate your life if you're like, these are the facts, this is what I know, and, like, I'm just gonna gun
2: through life. Totally. But for sure. You eliminate so many options. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, Chloe, it's like, I feel like you are not an angry person. <laughs> and you, based on what you're saying, you don't sort of compartmentalize your your thoughts in the same way that Charlie does. Like, I mean... What was that like to prepare for that role?
0: Uh, Well, preparing for her was, first of all, exciting because I was like, can I get hair extensions? And they were like, yes. And I was like, (laughs) can I get a spray tan? And Charles was like, go for it. So, like, (laughs) it was, yeah, it was the best kind of cosplay. Yeah, I got, like, a huge spray tan. I was orange for a couple days. It, like, got all over everything. Yeah, The hair extensions were... I
2: remember you walking across... I was on set that day, and I remember Chloe walking across set, and I was sitting next to Charles, and he was like that gorgeous woman <laughs> that she never found you more <laughs> <laughs>
0: beautiful. Well, That, that was what's so funny. Yeah, like how... I remember, like, walking around Murray Hill with my extensions and my tan and men just, like, winking. And it was like, whoa, <laughs> this is a whole other world of, like... Yeah. And people did find it hot. You know, it had yeah. a Britney kind of... Just early 2000s. Yeah, sure. Um, So, yeah, I felt like putting on the armor, which was exciting. The armor mm-hmm. of, like... I don't know, being alluring in some kind of way. And I, I always just like, I love like Republicans. I like to play them. I like playing like yeah. hmm, opinionated people.
2: Yeah. Republicans are very, the, 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 some Republicans are very fun performers. Yes. Yes. You know, like you, when the ones who are good at it, the ones who are the worst inside their souls are often really entertaining to watch. I mean, even Trump is a very—he's a performer, Sure. yeah—and so I understand why that would be fun.
1: What I love in that clip that we just showed, and if if our listeners will watch it back, uh, it's as the cameras dump out to commercial after Charlie says, "The Second Amendment is is, is will never is never going away," and then the music plays, and then Chloe just, like, smiles to camera, mugs to camera, and then there's, that like, a little head tilt. It's, like, it's perfect. <laughs> it's this, like, subtle little move where it is, like, oh, right, she's, like, a doll. Mm-hmm. She's, like, this, like, prop, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to be redundant.
0: Mm-hmm. I definitely have done that tilt. Like, I am an older sister, and I have... <laughs> I, we've had so many sister fights, and I think as a kid, if I, like got my way, I'd, like, turn to my sister, like, fuck you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm observing that in Zooms, like, when I'm watching myself, I'm like, oh, my head is naturally...
0: Yeah, like, tilting.
1: <laughs> um, I also want to talk about Dory's relationship with fear changing or just sort of having these different configurations. Because in season three, when she decides to plead innocent and not plead self-defense it seems like she's undaunted throughout the rest of the season. Everyone's, like, going wild. Like, why did you do that? Like, self-defense is an actual, like, would actually sort of be the best the option. Answer, yeah. yeah, Totally. And then, but she just seems kind of fearless in the way that she she's not nervous that she will lose, I would say.
2: I think it's Dory coming into herself is what that, that decision is. And she wants to take control of her life in a way that she hasn't been for the entire show. Mm-hmm. We, the whole, the entire story that we've been watching over the course of the show.
0: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I
2: really think it's her discovering her, what she's good at. Yeah. It trumps all the fear she would have of going to jail. She doesn't believe she's going to go to jail. Right. She finally has found, fa- ha- finally has figured out that she's got a knack for something. Mm. And I do think season, her being on trial in season three is supposed to be a representation of that time in a millennial's life, like she's—it's like when you're starting to take your life more seriously and make grown-up choices. It's just through the warped lens of Search Party, right? Pleading not guilty is a version of a grown-up decision. So is sure. killing. So was killing um, April.
1: Was a grown up decision? You would say
2: that was when Dory first made her, her made her first grown up decision. She was like, "I did this. I'm taking responsibility, and this is how I'm going to take care of this because my friends are going to get in trouble. I made this mess, and that's how she decided it had to be solved." And so, and then when you and, she, and then when she gets arrested it's right after that, so it's like Dory, the Dory at the end of season two, after we see her push April off, is a new Dory, but we don't really. Live with that Dory yet? Because it's only a second of her at the end of season two. Sure, I feel like that decision is the underbelly of so much of what drives Dory. Even though it's a lot, it's not said explicitly in season three.
1: Wow. Okay. So yeah. I think we should pull up this clip um, in the lead up to Dory pushing April off the ferry, and I think Dory even expresses. Well, let's just play it because yeah. I think um, there's a there's a lot happening in the in the, in yeah. the dialogue there.
0: Why can't you just take your money and be happy and just leave us alone? I can, and I will. I'll take my money and I'll be happy. But I will always know who you are and what you did. And I will never leave you guys alone, ever. I promise you that. I'm gonna rent a room in every building you live in. I'm gonna sit behind you whatever bullshit movie you watch. I'm gonna marry someone in your family, no matter how disgusting they are your conscience doesn't haunt you, I will forever.
1: Wow. Okay, so, there's a lot happening there. So, I, mm-hmm. I, think, I think it all gets built up by April threatening Dorian, this...
2: Mm-hmm.
1: really heavy way. And I, I think it's... I mean, Chloe and I laughed at um, April going, I'm gonna marry your family members no matter how ugly <laughs> they, they are. are. <laughs> this is disgusting they are. <laughs> so funny. But th- but those are, like, some real, like, sinister threats. Like, I am gonna rent a, 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 a room in your yeah. building. I am going to, like, follow you to the movies. I mean, these are all menacing, menacing things. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what's really evident here is that in that moment that Dory decides to push her off, I mean, it, it just, it's so checkered with fear and anger sort of back and forth, right?
2: Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Dory's afraid, and then she turns around, then she gets angry, decides to turn around, push her off. Yeah. Then is scared, is sort of in disbelief at what she's done. And this is so interesting to hear you talk about this sort of internally discussed as this is the first yeah. grown-up decision Dory's <laughs> made in her entire life. Yeah, wow.
2: It is her way of taking responsibility. She won't, she's not taking responsibility for her own... Decisions, because she's saying like I can't get mm-hmm. caught. It's I'm it's I'm gonna kill April to solve this. It's not that I'm gonna turn myself in, right. but she. I think she. The way it was talked about is that she is driven by April's the threat, and April's also threatening Dory's friends. Like she's got. Yeah, the, everyone is involved at that point, and the whole show is driven by Dory making a decision to look for Chantal. Mm. It's all about mm-hmm. Dory's choices. Yeah, And I think this is Dory's way of being active in a different way, like, like, of really committing to those life choices she made. I do think she thinks it's grown up, but I think it's why she digs in so hard the next season. Yeah. And she also, like, is in so much denial. Like, she can't ever—like, I think even when she looks confused when she's looking at April— in the water, it's like Dory to herself has to feel innocent.
0: Wow. Like the fact that she
2: instantly, as soon as she kills April, her face is like, what? What did I do? Um, She can't, she has to block out the rage part that she just felt a second ago.
1: Wow. I mean, what was the work that went into balancing those two things though? Like that's...
2: I mean, I, that's always what goes into Dory. I mean, the whole, Dory is supposed to be like, she's supposed to be, like, a person full of contradictions. And they, yeah. I think the goal with Dory is to show that people are complicated and full of contradictions. And they really, really were intent on not being able to nail Dory down. Like, I think mm-hmm. it's actually, it, it's, it's a very deliberate thing that Dory's the character that doesn't have a sense of purpose. And her identity from the very beginning is unformed. She's
1: see- yes, yes. Yeah, yeah.
2: And that's why she's always putting... That's why she's putting it on to other things. That's why she has to, like, tie her identity to Chantal. And right. so throughout the show, you're always supposed to kind of not be able to get a hold of who Dory is exactly, because she does not know. And right. so you you can't be ahead of what something that the character herself is not sure of.
1: That's great. And on the yeah. topic of fear, I feel like the shared fear among the four characters, the main mm-hmm. characters, is this fear of taking responsibility
2: Ooh. or of mm-hmm.
1: being held accountable to their actions. But with Dory in the, in this moment that ends up killing someone finally takes responsibility yes. and then it is completely destructive.
2: Yeah, but she's so confident the next season. She takes responsibility. She solves the problems. Her friends are saying, like, everyone's mad at her. Every- she seems like she's gotten everyone in trouble. She does this and then she spends an entire next season full of confidence. Wow. She's not, like, I don't think she feels... In season two, everyone's grappling with guilt, right? Mm-hmm, and they're mm-hmm. afraid of getting caught and they're afraid of facing who they are to themselves. Yeah. Dory, I think I think she's just so emboldened that she did something decisive. I think she I wow. think she feels really good about it. And in her mind, she thinks it's to protect the others.
1: Wow. Great. Great. Uh what do we think? Elliot, Drew, Portia are afraid of outside of this shared fear of the hammer coming down or whatever.
2: Um, I think Elliot's afraid of being exposed as to who he really is. Uh huh. Portia's probably afraid of being a bad person. Hmm. Mm. And Drew, like he seems to be the one who's most viscerally running away.
1: Yes, but I feel like Drew is the most actively driven by a fear of a set of moral. Mm. Guidelines or mm-hmm. rules, or he's he's the most afraid of moral clarity. Sort of mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: sidelining him into being a bad person. Does that does that make sense?
2: Yeah. While well, being drawn yeah. to someone who is so morally questionable, mm. like he sure. definitely got like a addiction
1: to totally
2: um, being attached to things that hurt him.
1: Mm. Sure, sure. Um, I I do find it great that Elliot, when given the chance to confront himself with his mother. Mm-hmm um yeah. gets a call from Charlie <laughs> who gives him this opportunity to run the other way and right. completely like undo. Yeah. Or I mean I mean like I mean like you know Elliot is sort of in some way like inching closer to the fear. Right. And like it's it's this like it could be this huge pivotal moment for him as a character um but I I think Charlie is probably the thing that like draws him back into this like r- this place of again rage and fear mm-hmm. right
2: mm-hmm. yeah i and i think the same way that chloe finds republicans fun search party also finds republicans fun and is mm-hmm. very drawn to it's kind of like the highest priority is to have fun scenes and fun characters yeah yeah like i feel like search party be- deeply believes in at its core that that's what makes life <laughs> meaningful. And so the same way that Elliot, like there was a, there's a lot of talk. We were always, families are really hard to write in a way that's not corny when you already Uh have met Uh characters and then you have to then meet meet their families. And the talking about Elliot's family, it just, it, that that was like a long process. And the reason, and then when it finally started to feel like energized was when we were all in the room one day and started talking about When we got to the point where we realized we could make it outlandish. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like we were saying he was going to go home, and then I think I said something like, and then he has to get on a boat and, like, row to the (laughs) land. And then, like, something got unlocked, and everyone started just throwing the craziest ideas. And that really opened up so much, and it actually felt the truest to the character. And so I feel like when Charlie calls Elliot, the show itself feels like you don't want to... You don't want to be in this either. You don't want to be in this muck. You want to go back to the spectacle. You want to go back to the fun. Yeah.
1: Which is interesting because the moment Charlie meets Elliot is at this restaurant where Elliot is introducing Mark to his fake parents. Right, yeah. And so so Charlie is seeing Elliot in this moment of pure artifice. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. like, hey oh, you're one of those people, you should come on my show. Right. Chloe, why do you think Charlie needs Elliot? Why do you think Charlie is drawn to him?
0: Um, I think she knows that it'll make good TV. I think it'll... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's attractive. I think she sees herself in him probably. Because they are, like, weirdly similar in my
2: mind. And Yeah, yeah they're soulmates.
0: Yeah, I think they're total, <laughs> total soulmates. And they're both campy and... Yeah, it's like it's like oh, this is like the perfect recipe.
1: Totally, yeah. they're they're like funhouse mirror versions of each other. Absolutely, kind of, yeah,
0: absolutely, you know?
1: absolutely. Um, okay, great, wow. Let's close things off by asking: Can rage be a positive force? Can it be constructive? Can it Ooh. can it build towards something that is helpful or good or?
2: I think rage can definitely be helpful. Like, I think this current rageful moment seems very productive and yes it's it's how you're using the rage and what the core what the intention of the rage is like if it's charlie if it's just to make other people angry so that they stay in the same place you that's weaponizing rage right yeah i think rage has action
0: to it Mm -hmm. and yeah yeah the world that we're living in and in like my own life of like, fuck him, you know? And you're like, <laughs> ah, and you're like on the treadmill. I don't know. You're like, I'm doing uh-huh. me. I don't know. Rage right? yeah, it's such a catalyst.
1: Right. Fuck him. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I, it's, it's, yes, I, and, I, and I would agree with you both, but I love that you don't really see examples of that on the show because that's not what the, that's not what the ethos of the show is. Mm-hmm.
2: It's because it never st- goes down. It's because it, it's, it's, it, is the, it is the norm of it. I think the reason that rage right now in the world seems to be doing something is because it's, I, I'm calling it a moment. I know it's not going to be, hopefully it's, it's a moment that leads to far reaching change, but yes. it was an eruption. And so it's suddenly you were like, oh, this feels different. And I feel active. It's a difference between this moment and Fox News, which is a constant stream of rage. Right. Yes, and search party yes. is that where the characters don't know how to feel anything else mm. and they're afraid of intimacy, they're afraid of vulnerability, they're afraid of being themselves and anything that will actually like be a healthy choice that will lead them to a next healthy step in their life, they're terrified of, which is the mm. fear. Wow. Mm. And so their rage is just is like they're just swimming in they're just swimming in it all the time and they can't get anywhere.
1: So to visually set this up, I would say that the fear is what's sort of buoying the rage to mm-hmm. that level the entire time. Because that is sort of the flawed state that all these people are in, which is that they're mm-hmm. constantly rageful and fearful. Whereas mm-hmm. in order for rage to be productive, you sort of need to have those levels and to have some topography of emotional states. Otherwise, if you're constantly just flatlining, even if it's up here, yeah, at something so maximalist and crazy and... Mm-hmm unintelligible, then that's going to be destructive. Interesting. Even in Charlie's case or Dory's case.
2: Yeah, and even because Search Party is a world it is where everyone's enraged, they don't see like the inverse reflected back at them.
1: Mm -hmm. They just
2: like go out and like Dory goes for a job interview and there's a woman, you know, the woman screams, like spills her coffee and she's at the same pitch as a Fox News correspondent.
1: Sure. Hmm. Totally. Wow. I mean,
2: you, I mean, this is not the intention of the show, but you could make a case where it's like, You know how, when you're in a bad mood, you start yelling at, you take it out on everything. Like you start yelling at a customer service person. I don't because I famously (laughs) am very kind to customer service. Yes, yes, (laughs) I know this
1: about you. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But you know, like, you know, like you, it colors your day. And you could, someone, I feel like someone could write a thesis paper about how the main characters, the four of them are so full of rage that when they go into the world, everyone that we see also acting in rage, it's just a reflection of the main characters. Oh, how they yeah. see people. Oh, interesting.
1: Perfect. Wow. Well, to close things off, let's just go around. Um, who are you the most afraid of on the show as a character? I would say I am most afraid of... Um, April freaks me out, even though she's <laughs> passed. <laughs> mm-hmm. She just—I mean, Phoebe tires. What a great performance! Um, yeah. But like, I, like I—I'm scared for Dory whenever um, she would talk to, talk mm. to April, and even when she sees April in the mirror in season three. So that's mm-hmm. that's my answer.
2: Another character that was conceived of, I believe, with the actress in mind.
1: Phoebe, oh, wonderful!
2: She's so good. Yeah. I find Chantal really scary.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why? Why?
0: Uh, Because she's just so, like, unaware of what... She's just so unaware, I feel like. And that Mm. is so dangerous. And, like, she doesn't really have anyone Mm. to check her, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, she just is in this own world that she's creating and getting in trouble, and she's so good. But there's something about... I find her, like, unhinged. Mm-hmm, well, it's mm-hmm. funny
1: that she is sort of sidelined not only in the plot, but in the friendships with Dory and Drew and Elliot and, and Portia. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. she's off on her own and she is like doing these irresponsible things. Yeah. Which is dangerous. It's volatile, yeah. totally. Yeah.
2: So I'm trying to think, who am I most afraid of? I think it is Dory because she... Mm-hmm. Someone who doesn't know herself is very scary. They will do anything.
1: Because
2: mm. there's, no, there's, there's no walls for them to bump up against at all.
1: Wow! To check
2: themselves, and she's charming. Like her, the package of Dory can accomplish so much. Yeah, right. it's it's her. I, Which is I'm,
1: Polly's I, point.
2: Mm-hmm, yeah, I'm. Yeah.
1: yeah, I relate to Polly. That's great.
2: I mean, don't you? We love Polly, right?
1: I love Polly. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Such a good character and yeah. such a good performance. Mm-hmm. That's a good answer, Dory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. It's got to be Dory. Well, thank you so much to Chloe and Starly for joining me in this discussion of fear and rage. Um, thank you so much. I hope you guys lead fearless and rageless lives uh, in the short in the short term <laughs> in the short life. term. Not yeah. In your, no, no. In in the short term, that's all. Okay. <laughs> thanks so much. Thanks, thank guys. You. Well, I hope that was as cathartic for you as it was for me. Thank you so much to Starly Kine and Chloe Fineman for joining me today as we discussed the themes of fear and rage on Search Party. You knew those topics could be so fun! Until next time, I'm Bowen Yang. Join me on Wednesday, this Wednesday, for a new episode in which we'll deep dive into the many themes of Surge Party with two more special guests. Surge Party, the podcast, is a production of HBO Max and iHeartRadio. It's executive produced by Ethan Fixell, produced and written by Jonah Bayer, written and researched by Marissa Brown, and engineered, edited, and mixed by Matt Stillo. If you haven't already subscribed, rated, or reviewed Search Party, the podcast, please do so on the iHeartRadio app, HBO Max, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you might get your podcasts. And don't forget to watch season four of Search Party, premiering January 14th only on HBO Max.